Amazing. Wow, I could listen to that forever. <laughs> Can we just stay and do that on repeat, honestly? Right? <laughs> that was so good. Give it up for that band. That was awesome. The harmony, the keys, the guitar. Oh, just gave me chills. So good. Amazing. It's good to see you guys this morning. You guys look wonderful. Um, last week was a short week, so hopefully y'all are rested. No, everybody's saying no. Okay, never mind. Um, well, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to dive into the part three of um, Kings and Kingdoms. So pray with me. Heavenly Father, thank you that your word is good. God, thank you that you are sovereign, that you are in control. And Lord, I just invite you to be present in this space right now. I invite you um, to speak through me or that any of the words that I say this morning would truly be from you. And that if anything that I say does not fall according to your word, it would truly fall on deaf ears. Father, we thank you that the, for the power that your Holy Spirit has that can illuminate your word to us. We thank you that it is only by your spirit that we can understand it. So Lord, I pray like Psalm 119.18 says, open our eyes this morning that we may behold wondrous things out of your law. I pray that that would be truly what you do this morning, that you would open our eyes, that we would know you in a deeper way, that we would know the fullness of your love in a new way. God, we thank you that you are with us, that you are present, and that you love us. Thank you that we, that it is all about you, that we have nothing to offer. And Lord, I come before you and say, I have nothing to offer this morning. Apart from you, I can do nothing. So Lord, I invite you to speak through me, in me, and have your way. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. All right, part three. Um, we're actually going to not be in First Samuel, First or Second Samuel today. We're actually going to pause and reflect on the life of David through his journals. And I don't know about you, but I was a journaler growing up. So when I was 14 years old, I was looking back at journals literally yesterday and reading some of my journals, and guys, they are hysterical. Like, I mean, I would go from one second from like, oh, this boy is so cute, I have a crush on him, to like the next second being like, where are you, Lord? I don't know where you are. Like, I can't, I, I, I'm like suffering, and I really don't know what's going on. That was kind of the time my parents were going through divorce. And so I'd go one second from like, you know, boys are cute, all this fun stuff. A boy touched me or said hi to me today or something like, like literally like we exchanged, you know, pages of something, and all of a sudden I'm like, <gasps> anyways, two. <laughs> To like, my friends are isolating me, and I feel lonely. And so, I don't know about you guys, but those are like my journals <laughs> um, when I was 14 years old. Um, but we are going to take a look at David's journals today, and those are through the Psalms. Um, we're going to camp out in Psalm 30. So if you have your Bible, open up to Psalm 30 this morning, and we're going to pause for a second um, and intro it. But last week, Will talked about the life of Saul. Um, and his life, how his life did not reflect the worship and um, the godly reverence and fear of God. And so he also, at the very end, introduced um, David. And I don't know if y'all remember the phrase that he used or the verse that he used, but if you can throw up for Samuel uh, 13, 14 on the screen, that'd be awesome. This is what Will ended on last week that I'm going to pick up this morning. First <clears throat> Samuel 13, 14 says this. But now your kingdom shall not continue. He's talking to Saul here, okay? 
Your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart, and the Lord has commanded him to be prince over his people because you, Saul, have not kept the ways that the Lord has commanded you. Not, not kept what the Lord has commanded you. And so what we're saying, seeing here is Saul was not a man after God's own heart, but we are introduced to a man of God's own heart. And what does that mean? You guys may be asking, is that me? It, am I, do I look like that? Am I a woman or a man after God's own heart? What, what does that look like? What does that even mean? Like how come Saul wasn't and David was? Or what, like why did God describe him in this way? What made it stand out so much? that he was like known as a man after God's own heart. And if I was going to answer it with one word, I would say he was a worshiper. And I'm going to finish that with two more words of God. And the reason why I finish it with two more words of God is because we were all created to worship. Everyone and everyone has this like little thing in them that is created to worship. And I don't think I have to stand up here and convince you that long to share and to show you that we were created to worship. Because look around us, we worship anything that we can normally touch or see. Um, and often that is like I found myself in my heart that is prone to wander, not choosing God, but choosing sin or the things of the world sometimes. And so David was a worshiper of God, not of the things of this world. And yes, that does not, I'm going to pause real fast and say that does not mean he lived a perfect life. That does not mean um, he walked just like praising God all the time. In fact, he would be the first to say, I messed up. And, he's, and we'll get into that in a little bit. But I messed up and I've walked in sin. And we're going to get into a little bit more of his details in his, of his life in, in weeks to come. But we were all created to worship. If you don't know what you are, per, are currently worshiping or where you're currently, um, may, what, what currently is in your life, I would challenge you to think about where do you spend most energy or time in? Where do you, what motivates you? Where do you go to find satisfaction in? Where do you spend most of your money on or time thinking about? Or what are you not willing to give up and say, no, no, I've got to have this. Because I would honestly say that's probably what you're worshiping. If we are spending so much time thinking about building our resume, doing all these things, maybe ourselves are an idol. If we are trying to, you know, like man's approval is so important to us, once again, maybe man's approval is an idol to us. If we are spending so much time, like thinking about money, maybe money's an idol to us. If we are, and whatever it is, fill, fill in the blank of where you find yourself camping into, what, like, what are you worshiping? And so I'd challenge you to think about that. What, it, what am I worshiping? Am I worshiping the one true God that deserves my full satisfaction and my full surrender and my full, um, my full worship? Or am I choosing to worship things that are not worthy of worship? A couple weeks ago, I watched, how many of y'all have seen the Selena Gomez documentary? Or like, no, no one's hands raised. Okay, that just puts me in a different category. <laughs> okay, well, let me, let me just say this. Elvis, or Taylor Swift, or um, Justin Bieber, or who do you guys listen to? I don't even know. Um, Whitney Houston came out with a, a recent movie. Basically, what I'm trying to say is almost like all these celebrities are coming out. <laughs> Whitney Houston puts like a whole different category. Okay, never mind. <laughs> um, all these celebrities are coming out with like movies or TV or, or documentaries of their lives. And most of them, it's really interesting because if you watch them, most of them talk about a season where they crashed. 
and they like couldn't handle the pressure. I was watching Selena's the other day and um, the first thing that came to, came to mind was she, like we are not created to be worshiped, but often we do. And so Selena had like all these different people that were chasing after her and like wanting her attention or whatever, or like just, just worshiping her as a celebrity, as an idol. And Selena ended up like crashing and burning to the point where she was like, this is so much pressure. And so we often put our trust in things that cannot be trustworthy, that are not trustworthy, that cannot be worthy of our worship. And so think about for a second, pause, where, what are you putting your trust in? that is not, you're not finding satisfaction in. Because I can tell you for, from experience that I've often chosen things of this world to put my trust in, but it is very quickly reminding, it very quickly reminds me that nothing can satisfy me apart from Jesus and apart from his good joy that comes from, from walking in his presence. So all of these look around us and it will just show that our culture and even myself included in that, is so, is, is created to worship. It's just a matter of what are we choosing? Who are we choosing to worship? Is it man? Is it a relationship? Is it, like I can tell you my journals probably spoke of different things that I was worshiping at the time, depending on what um, I was writing about. That's where my heart was meditating on. God's word says that our, out of the overflow of our heart, the mouth speaks. So like what I'm meditating on in my heart, what I'm like choosing to spend a ton of time in or energy on is what it's what's going to come out of my mouth. And so if I'm choosing to fill it with different things of this world out of my mouth is going to what is going to like out of my overflow of my heart, the mouth speaks. So if I'm choosing to spend time in God's word, I pray that that is what's overflowing out of my heart. I'm like as David was, as David was just like exalting Christ all the time, exalting him yet Psalms also go back and forth. And what I love about Psalms is they're so real because he wrestles with these questions too. Of where are you, God? Where, where, why have you forsaken me? Like, where are you in the midst of my pit? Where are you in the midst of this hard thing? Is this hard, what, what I'm walking through? Where are you? Deliver me, Lord. You are my helper. You are my God. But he reminds himself of the truth. So David is an example of how he was a worshiper of God. So first question, what are you worshiping? If someone was going to say to you, man, she is a woman who is after blank's own heart, or he is a man after blank's own heart, what, would someone, or could you fill in the word, like, am I worshiping God? Could you fill in that? Um, and I'm going to get into what that looks like in a second. So if you can pull up um, Psalm 30, that would be awesome. We're going to read through this slowly. And then I'm going to kind of dive in. It's only a couple verses. Um, All right, read with me. I will extol you, O Lord, for you have drawn me up. Okay, the word extol means praise enthusiastically. Imagine David right now being like, I will praise you. Like his like voice probably gets louder. He's like shouting off the top of his lungs saying like, I will praise you. I will extol you, Lord, for you have drawn me up. Okay, pay attention to that real fast. Have drawn me up. Okay, and I and have not let my foes rejoice over me. Verse two, O oh, oh Lord, my God, I cried to you for help, and you have healed me. O oh Lord, you have brought me up from Sheol; you restored me from life among those who who go down to the pit. Sing praises to the Lord, you His saints, and give thanks 
to his holy name. So now he's encouraging his saints around him, the people around him, also sing praises. Come on, join in with me. Let's sing together and give thanks to his holy name. Verse five, for his anger is but for a moment and his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry in the night, but joy comes in the morning. As for me, I said in my prosperity, I shall never be moved. So this is King David saying, in my prosperity, I shall never be moved. But he recognizes by the next three words, by your favor, O Lord. So he's recognizing it is only from the hand of God that he has his prosperity. It is only because of God's grace that he's in this position. So by your favor in verse 7, O Lord, you made my mountain stand strong. You hid your face. I was dismayed. To you, O Lord, I cry, and to the Lord I plead for mercy. What profit is there in death if I go down to the pit? Will, will the dust praise you? Will it tell of your faithfulness? What he's saying there is basically saying, Lord, don't let me die because I can't, then I can't worship you. Because he's wanting to worship so, so much. Like giving, returning the glory back to the Lord. Verse 10, hear, O Lord, and be merciful to me. O Lord, be my helper. You have turned for me my mourning into dancing. Remember that song we we started with? You turn mourning into dancing. You get turned graves into gardens. That's why we picked the song. You turned, verse 11, you turned for me my mourning into dancing. You have loosed my sackcloths. Basically another way of saying, like of, of talking about sadness. And clothe me with gladness that my glory may sing your praise and not be silent. Oh Lord, my God, I will give thanks to you forever. So God is not saying, or David is not saying here, just fix it all, put a smile on your face and go out and praise the Lord. No, he's acknowledging weeping does tarry in the night. Like this world we live in is broken. It is hard. I'm acknowledging that weeping may tarry in the night, but we're gonna get into it in a second. The joy can come in the morning when you have hope and the good news of the gospel. So I threw up a slide um, that had verse one, verse three, uh, two different verses on that. There you go, awesome. If you, if you notice, there's a repetitiveness in the couple um, verses at the beginning that says this in verse one, for you have drawn me up, verse three, brought me up, or brought up my soul from Sheol, verse three, again, restored to me life from those who get onto the pit. So it's this repetitive, like drawing me up, going down, like it's, it's up and down um, repetitiveness. And what I wanna pause and say first is he's talking about a pit, meaning like death or meaning like something hard, okay? So I wanna pause and say that some of you probably are in or have been in a pit before. I have been in a pit before. I continue to, to like cling to the Lord because I know he alone can save me and redeem me from pits that I could fall into. My two-year-old niece was in town um, this past week. If you follow me on Instagram, I know. I'm sorry, I can't help posting, but she's so cute. Um, anyways, she came to town and we were on a walk. And um, y'all, she teaches me so much about like our relationship with the Lord and it's so stinking cool. I'd love to tell you more about it later. But we were on a walk and as soon as she saw a car coming, she knew in her mind, that's danger, okay? And so what she did was literally cling to me. Like she like grabbed onto my leg and was like, say, say, car, car, don't move. Yes, my name is say, say. Um, so like she clung onto me and was like, don't, like don't move, don't move because that's danger. She recognized Danger was coming towards her and she clung to me because in this life, there are things 
like the, like temptations around us or like pits that come to us. And what I would encourage you guys and what I, what I can only tell you to do is cling to Jesus. As Clara did to me, cling to Jesus. I've been in a pit before. Maybe it's loneliness or a breakup or an idol, toxic friendships. Maybe it's something with your parents going on right now. Maybe it's um, deep sin that you don't know how to get out of because you're like, this has been continuous for a while and now I don't know where to go from here. Maybe it's something that someone else has done to you that has caused you to be in this pit. I don't, I don't know, but God knows and God sees you. And in the same way that David cries to God saying, God, help me, I cried to you for help. Verse two says, oh Lord, oh my God, I cried to you for help and you have healed me. He's talking about you alone, God, can draw me out of this pit. Then nothing that I can do, I can't climb out of this pit. It is only by your grace and your goodness. Like the Psalms continues to say all over, David basically just says, you and thee I take refuge. All, like the Psalms just bleed the fact that he is saying, I need a deliverer, I need someone to help me, and thee I take refuge. Like Clara took refuge <laughs> by clinging on to me, and you, Lord God, I take refuge. When I know things of this world are coming at me that are scary, I know I can trust you in and through the pit. He says in ver yeah, verse two, um, I cried to you for help and you healed me. When I was, I guess, I think 14 um, in 2012, some of you might not have even been born at the time. Um, just kidding, I think you all have. All have. Um, but I, if you were at the girls' night, you um, heard me uh, sing one of my songs that I wrote in the midst of like deep, hard pain with my parents' divorce. Um, and I'm going to read the chorus of a song that I wrote when I was 14 years old in 2012 to share that I have been in a pit too. And I'm continuously like asking the Lord to deliver me from, from temptations, to deliver me from these pits that, are, um, that often we could fall into. And so these, this is what I wrote as a 14-year-old. The waves are crashing all over me. <clears throat> When I try and take a breath, another wave crashes over me. I don't know which way to go. I'm so confused. Lord, lead me back to the light. And the idea of it is basically saying, I feel like I'm just like waves are literally crashing all over me and I cannot breathe. And as soon as I want to, another wave crashes over me. And so I need the light again. The bridge then says back to the, the way, the truth, and the life. Back to the light of the gospel, of the good news of the gospel. And so there are many of you, maybe it's not something that someone has done to you or a deep sin temptation. Maybe it's actually just like pride. Maybe you're like, I actually got it all together, I'm good. And maybe that in itself is another pit, another version of it, because the enemy wants you to think like you're better than everybody else and you're okay. It's a continual process, and what David knew and how David became and was a worshiper was that he acknowledged, I have the ability like, to fall into it apart from Christ. So what do we do if we're stuck in the pit? Let me start by saying you're not going to get out alone. You need a rescuer. When you're in a pit, you need someone to get down in the pit, and the coolest part of this gospel right here is that someone came down when you could not go up. 
someone came down to the pit and said, I recognize that you cannot do this alone, and I'm going to send my son Jesus to take your place and to lift you out of the pit and deliver you. And so this word, the good news of the gospel, is that when we were in our pit, when we were in our dark place, he rescued us. That the, the wounds that he took on his hands and on his feet and the crown of thorns that he wore was in our place. He took the pit for us and said, I'm going to help you. I, I got you. I see you. I recognize you in that. John Piper starts his morning saying this. Every morning, you are God and I am not. Y'all, what if we all started our day like that? You are God and I am not. So whatever comes my way, whatever like is thrown at me, I'm reminded that you are God and I am not. And so I'm clinging to Jesus. I'm clinging to his word. As Psalm 63 says, I'm clinging to him to rescue me and deliver me. The beautiful story of the gospel is that he rescued you, he delivered you, and I continuously need that rescuing and that deliverance every single day. I am not above you guys. I am on the same level as you as, as wrestling with these temptations. I get it. I get it. But what I know from a couple more years of life is that God is good and that he is worthy of worship. He is worthy of praise. So it's a continual process, but what the process really is, and what David gets into in Psalm 51, which we're not going to camp out a ton right now, but I did throw up a slide that says a little bit of it. Um, It says this, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy. Blot out my transgressions. Okay, so this is basically after uh, after David has, has sinned, okay? And this is his response to, I know that I grieved God. I know that my sin grieves the Holy Spirit. Why? Because he loves you and he wants to be in a relationship with you. And so when we push against that, David recognized as a worshiper of God, he recognized that grieved him. And now I get to walk in repentance to get right before God. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgression and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you may be justified in all your words and blameless in your judgment. I think there's one more slide with a little bit more. Purge me with hyssop. Y'all listen how beautiful this is, this analogy of purge me, Lord, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear the joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create, listen to this, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy, the joy, y'all. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. And so maybe the pit is sin. Maybe the pit before, like I said before, was just was something that maybe a circumstance that happened around you. But y'all, repentance is what David bled also of saying, I realize Like, as a worshiper of God, my heart has to be towards repentance as well. Repentance, as purge me with hyssop, I shall be clean. Create in me 
clean heart. He recognizes it is not him. It is not his own doing. He needed someone to rescue him and deliver him. And like I said before, the beautiful news of the, of the gospel is that he can wash you clean by the blood of the spotless lamb. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Y'all, those songs of like, I'm coming back to the heart of worship. That's like what David is basically saying in these psalms as well. Is like, I, I realize I have nothing to offer you. I realize I have nothing to bring to you except for my worship and my, and my praise and also my repentance and my confession when I, when I go astray to become right. So when our view of the gospel grows, when we recognize the pit, when our view of the gospel grows, our worship gets louder. And what I mean by that is, y'all remember the men of Nehemiah? Okay, remember how like hype they were? If you weren't here, y'all, these, these men who have gone through like recovery programs and have realized they've recognized the pit that they were once in and now have been redeemed and sanctified and the Lord is continuously doing work in them, they, their worship was louder because they knew the gospel in a new way. They knew the pit that they were once in and they knew the pit that they were taken out of and redeemed from and delivered from. And so when our, when our view of the gospel gets greater, our worship gets louder like we can't help but sing which is another thing that psalm uh, 30 what we just camped out on he is basically saying like sing sing hey everybody sing with me like we're exulting exulting the lord praising enthusiastically because i have once been in the pit and i have been redeemed i recognize the like he recognized the gospel he recognized that sin was sin and god's holiness was even greater and rescued him from that. So he's able to say, you have turned my mourning, my, like mourning with a, with a U in there. So not just like mourning as in like the sun rising, but mourning is in like my weeping and my wailing, which I have spent many nights weeping and wailing and hoping that mourning would bring joy. And still sometimes that doesn't happen right away, but y'all, I know that God still hears your cry and answers your cry, whether it's right then or, or later. One of the journals that I looked back on said, Lord, I pray, 2011, okay, 2011, 2011. That feels weird. Do y'all say 2011 or 2011? Both? Okay. Um, 2011, I prayed, Lord, I pray that I would be a small group leader one day. I don't remember praying that, and what, how cool it is that, like, 15 years later, I, like, I see the answer to that, and I had no idea that I prayed that. Like, the, like I, I didn't see it right then, right? I wasn't as a, as a 13-year-old, a small group leader at the time, but I now see that of something that I don't even remember praying. And so he is, David recognizes the pit that he once was and say, you have turned my mourning into dancing. You have turned my weeping into, into gladness. My weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes in the morning. And that is because we have the hope of the good news of the gospel that maybe on this earth, it's not gonna necessarily get all better. But I know like one day we will stand face to face with a savior of the world and just cry, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty and the things of this world I can promise you you're not gonna want when you're standing face to face with Jesus. And so that hope and that like excitement is what, is what David is talking about of I know you have turned my mourning into dancing and I know you will continuously do that. I know that you've turned, you've loosed my sackcloth like that sadness and that mourning of weeping and wailing overnight 
and you've brought me gladness. You've clothed me in gladness. How many of you guys are underdog fans? Like when an underdog is playing in a game. Yeah, okay, same. Okay, unless it's like Arkansas and they're, you know, the not the underdog, which doesn't happen very often. Um, but I'm an underdog fan. So like when I'm watching a game and the underdog wins, oh, it's exciting, right? Like it's really fun when someone kind of, you know, like wins, it's not expecting to win, okay? So when that happens and you're like at the home field, I mean, what happens? You guys, you know, they rush the field, right? Like everybody's gonna rush the field if you're not expecting to win. The response of the crowd, and let me say this, you don't have to sit there and convince them, hey, you guys, if they win, let's rush the field. And they're like, no, 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 that's fine. No, no, like let's, let's rush the field. You don't have to convince them, right? That's just a natural response. <laughs> like everybody's gonna be like, yeah, we're rushing the field because this is exciting. David's natural response to, the, to like him in the pit, to him realizing I can't do this, and the victory that came with that, his natural response was to sing and worship and walk and gratitude and saying, I know the pit I once walked in. His natural response was praise and adoration and saying, Lord, I know the pit that I was once in. I will exalt you all the more. You have turned my mourning into dancing. And then he, at the very last verse, it says that, that my glory may sing your praise and not be silent. Oh, Lord, my God, I will give thanks to you forever. He realized he was the underdog. Okay, so if your view of the gospel grows, then your response is going to grow as well, right? If your view of like, I know I was once in a pit, my response, like the men of Nehemiah, are more so like, God, you are good, because I know my heart is prone to wonder and I know you redeemed me and you saved me and you delivered me. So my question is, how is your worship? How is your worship? So I first ask, what are you worshiping, right? Like what is that like blank that you're worshiping? Like what are you spending your time and energy on? But now how is your worship? Is there anything in the way of like seeing the gospel in a, in a new way? And I can only say from experience and also know because I have to convince, like I have to continue to remind myself of the Lord's faithfulness that the natural, like I, I, David's response because he had seen the goodness of God was worship. And I pray that that would be our response as well. I pray that that would be our natural response. <laughs> like we're rushing the field our natural response to the Lord delivering us out of these things, the Lord being good, our natural response would be to like jump up on our feet and say God is good and all I can do is sing. I'm pretty sure that was actually, can you put the lyrics of the song that Isaac wrote up? Because I did not know this was the song. Sorry, I know that was a lot to ask you last minute, but y'all look at these, look at these lyrics. Now I've seen the beauty of the king. I will cling to you and resist the enemy. This is like David's prayer right here. You've been so good to me and I can't help but sing. That is what the Psalms are talking about. That is what King David's life is saying. Of I have seen, like I've seen you be good to me and I can't help but respond by singing. I can't help but respond by worshiping the one true God. So what are you worshiping? And how is your worship? And is there anything that is keeping you in the way of seeing the gospel in a new way?
how would you be described if someone was gonna say yeah she's this or he's that how would you be described is there anything in your life that is that satan is trying to say this is better than jesus but i would (laughs) encourage you is that like jesus plus nothing you hear this from us all the time jesus plus nothing equals everything and david knew that and so when he fell into temptation when he fell into the pit he knew that god was good and his response as a worshiper of god was to confess that and to walk in praise and adoration and sing because god is good the next couple weeks we're going to continue to walk through the life of david you're going to see his ups and his downs you're going to see the ways he struggled like we struggle you're going to see his natural response though as his journals read through psalms his natural response being lord i know that you have delivered me but yet he still is so real and says lord where are you where are you god i i can't i can't see you in this moment where are you? But his natural response after that, once he sees the restoration of the Lord and reminds him of the faithfulness of God, is praise. We all, we're going to end, like we talked about before, with turn your eyes upon Jesus and the things, or look full in his wonderful face, and the things of this world will grow strangely dim, and the light of his glory and grace. And when we sing that, y'all, I believe that that is honestly what David knew in his heart as a worshiper of God that he, like, as I turn my eyes upon, at that time, Jesus wasn't there, but upon the Lord, right? He knew, he looked in full expectation of, I know you're going to redeem me, and Jesus is going to come, but look full in his wonderful face, and the things of the world grow strangely dim when we keep our eyes placed on Jesus, when we cling, like Clara did to me, cling to Jesus in the midst of, of the temptations and the battles around us. So may this, may that be our prayer. You've been so good to me. And I can't help, whoa, (laughs) okay, sorry. Um, May that be our prayer. You've been so good to me and I can't help but sing. May that be our prayer. So God, I'm gonna pray for us real fast. God, Heavenly Father, thank you that you have been so good to me. You have been so good to us. And may our natural response, may my natural response be that I can't help but sing. I can't help but worship because I've seen the goodness of God in the land of the living. That I have tasted and seen that you are good and I can't help but respond in gratitude. So Lord, thank you for the life of King David and how he exemplifies a worshiper of you. God, may we be as, as men, men and women here, Lord, I pray that our response would also be to sing because we know that you are God and you are God alone. So thank you that you plus nothing else of this world that, will sa- that won't satisfy us equals everything. Thank you that you are worthy of all of our praise and adoration. And may we remember that today. May we remember that and may that transform the way we live and walk this world in this in this um in high school and in college in the years to come we love you and praise you in jesus name amen